Section two of the Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume One, by Margaret of Navarre, translated by George Saintsbury margaret of Agoulême, queen of navarre part two the most memorable events of margaret's public life date from this period francis who was determined to reconquer the milanese at once made preparations for a new campaign louise of savoy was again appointed regent of the kingdom and as francis's wife claude was dying of consumption the royal children were confined to the care of margaret whose husband accompanied the army louise of savoy at first repaired to lyon with her children in order to be nearer to italy but she and margaret soon returned to blois where the queen was dying before the royal army had reached milan claude expired and soon afterwards louise was incapacitated by a violent attack of gout while the children of francis also fell ill the little ones of whom margaret had charge consisted of three boys and three girls the former being francis the dauphin who died in fifteen thirty six charles duke of orleans who died in fifteen forty five and henry count of angouleme who succeeded his father on the throne the girls comprised madeline afterwards the wife of james v of scotland margaret subsequently duchess of savoy and princess charlotte the latter was particularly loved by her aunt margaret who subsequently dedicated to her memory her poem le miroir de l'âme pécheresse while the other children recovered from their illness little charlotte as margaret records in her letters to bishop brissonnet was seized with so grievous a malady of fever and flux that after a month's suffering she expired to the deep grief of her aunt who throughout her illness had scarcely left her side this affliction was but the beginning of margaret's troubles soon afterwards the constable de bourbon in conjunction with pescara and lannoy avenged his grievances under the walls of pavia on this occasion as at marignano the duke of alencon commanded the french reserves and had charge of the fortified camp from which francis listening to bonnivet sallied forth despite the advice of his best officers the king bore himself bravely but he was badly wounded and forced to surrender after la palice lesson bonnivet la tremoille and bussy d'amboise had been slain before his eyes charles of alencon was then unable to resist the advice given him to retreat and thus save the few frenchmen who had escaped the arms of the imperialists with four hundred lances he abandoned the camp crossed the ticino and reaching france by way of piedmont proceeded to lyon where he found louise of savoy and margaret it has been alleged they received him with harsh reproaches and that unable to bear the shame he felt for his conduct he died only a few days after the battle there are several errors in these assertions which a contemporary document enables us to rectify the battle of pavia was fought on february the fourteenth fifteen twenty five and charles of alencon did not die till april the eleventh more than a month after his arrival at lyons he was carried off in five days by pleurisy 
and some hours before his death was still able to rise and partake of the communion margaret bestowed the most tender care upon him and the regent herself came to visit him the duke finding strength enough to say to her madam i beg of you to let the king know that since the day he was made a prisoner i have been expecting nothing but death since i was not sufficiently favoured by heaven to share his lot or to be slain in serving him who is my king father brother and good master after kissing the regent's hand he added i commend to you her who has been my wife for fifteen years and who has been as good as she is virtuous towards me then as louise of savoy wished to take margaret away charles turned towards the latter and said to her do not leave me the duchess refused to follow her mother and embracing her dying husband showed him the crucifix placed before his eyes the duke having summoned one of his gentlemen monsieur de chandonnier instructed him to bid farewell on his part to all his servants and to thank them for their services telling them that he had no longer strength to see them he asked god aloud to forgive his sins received the extreme unction from the bishop of lisieux and raising his eyes to heaven said jesus and expired whilst tending her dying husband margaret was also deeply concerned as to the fate of her captive brother for whom she always evinced the warmest affection indeed so close were the ties uniting louise of savoy and her two children that they were habitually called the trinity as clement marot and margaret have recorded in their poems in this trinity francis occupied the highest place his mother called him her caesar and triumphant hero while his sister absolutely reverenced him and was ever ready to do his bidding thus the intelligence that he was wounded and a prisoner threw them into consternation and they were yet undecided how to act when they received that famous epistle in which francis wrote not the legendary words all is lost save honour but of all things there have remained to me but honour and life which is safe after begging his mother and sister to face the extremity by employing their customary prudence the king commended his children to their care and expressed the hope that god would not abandon him this missive revived the courage of the regent and margaret for shortly afterwards we find the latter writing to francis your letter has had such an effect upon the health of madame louise and of all those who love you that it has been to us as a holy ghost after the agony of the passion madame has felt so great a renewal of strength that whilst day and evening last not a moment is lost over your business so that you need have no grief or care about your kingdom and children louise of savoy was indeed now displaying courage and ability news shortly arrived that the king had been transferred to madrid and that charles demanded most onerous conditions for the release of his prisoner at this juncture francis wrote to his mother that he was very ill and begged of her to come to him louise however felt that she ought not to accede to this request for it would be jeopardizing the monarchy to place the regent as well as the king of france in the emperor's hands accordingly she resolved that margaret should go instead of herself the baron of st blancard general of the king's galleys who had previously offered to rescue francis while the latter was on his way to spain received orders to make the necessary preparations for margaret's voyage of which she defrayed the expense as is shown by a letter she wrote to john brinon chancellor of alençon in this missive she states that the baron of st blancard has made numerous disbursements 
on account of her journey which are to be refunded to him so that he may know that i am not ungrateful for the good service he has done me for he hath acquitted himself thereof in such a way that i have occasion to be gratified despite adverse winds margaret embarked on august twenty seventh fifteen twenty five at aigues mortes with the president de selve the archbishop of Ombrun, the bishop of tarbes and a fairly numerous suite of ladies the emperor had granted her a safe conduct for six months and upon landing in spain she hurried to madrid where she found her brother very sick both in mind and body she eagerly caressed and tended him and with a good result as she knew his nature and constitution much better than the doctors to raise his depressed spirits she had recourse to religious ceremonies giving orders for an altar to be erected in the room where he was lying she then requested the archbishop of Ombrun to celebrate mass and received the communion in company of all the french retainers about the prisoner it is stated that the king who for some hours had given no sign of life opened his eyes at the moment of the consecration of the elements and asked for the communion saying god will cure me soul and body from this time forward he began to recover his health though he remained fretful on account of his captivity it was a difficult task to obtain his release the court and the emperor were extremely polite but margaret soon recognized the emptiness of their protestations of goodwill they all tell me that they love the king she wrote but i have little proof of it if i had to do with honest folks who understand what honor is i should not care but it is the contrary she was not the woman to turn back at the first obstacle however she began by endeavoring to gain over several high personages and on perceiving that the men avoided speaking with her on serious business she addressed herself to their mothers wives or daughters in a letter to marshal montmorency then with the king she thus refers to the duke del infantago who had received her at his castle of guadalajara you will tell the king that the duke has been warned from the court that if he wishes to please the emperor neither he nor his son is to speak to me but the ladies are not forbidden me and to them i will speak twofold throughout the negotiations for her brother's release margaret always maintained the dignity and reserve fitting to her sex and situation writing to francis on this subject she says the viceroy lanoy has sent me word that he is of the opinion i should go and see the emperor but i have told him through monsieur de Sonly, that i have not yet stirred from my lodging without being asked and that whenever it pleases the emperor to see me i shall be found there margaret was repeatedly admitted to the imperial council to discuss the conditions of her brother's ransom she showed as much ability as loftiness of mind on these occasions and several times won charles v himself and the sternest of his ministers to her opinion she highly favored the proposed marriage between francis and his rival sister eleanor of austria detecting in this alliance the most certain means of a speedy release eleanor born at louvain in fourteen ninety eight had in fifteen nineteen married emmanuel king of portugal who died two years afterwards since then she had been promised to the constable de bourbon but the emperor did not hesitate to sacrifice the latter to his own interests he himself being fascinated by margaret's grace and wit thought of marrying her and had a letter sent to louise of savoy plainly setting forth the proposal in this missive referring to the constable de bourbon 
Charles remarked that there were good matches in France in plenty for him For instance madame René with whom he might very well content himself These words have led to the belief that there has been some question of a marriage between Margaret and the constable However, there is no mention of any such alliance in the diplomatic documents exchanged between France and Spain on the subject of the King's release These documents comprise an undertaking to restore the constable to his estates and even to arrange a match for him in France But Margaret is never mentioned She herself in the numerous letters handed down to us does not once refer to the famous exile and the intrigue described by certain historians and romancers evidently rests upon no solid foundation after three months of negotiations continually broken off and renewed margaret and her brother feeling convinced of charles v's evil intentions resolved to take steps to ensure the independence of france by the king's orders robertet his secretary drew up letters patent dated november fifteen twenty five by which it was decreed that the young dauphin should be crowned at once and that the regency should continue in the hands of Louise de Savoy, but that in the event of her death, the same power should be exercised by Francis's very dear and well-beloved only sister, Margaret of France, Duchess of Alençon and Berry. However, all these provisions were to be deemed null and void in the event of Francis obtaining his release. It has been erroneously alleged that Margaret, on leaving Spain, took this deed of abdication with her, and that the emperor informed of the circumstance gave orders for her to be arrested as soon as her safe conduct should expire however it was the marshal de montmorency who carried the deed to france and charles v in ordering the arrest of margaret had no other aim than that of securing an additional hostage in case his treaty with francis should not be fulfilled margaret pressed by her brother at last asked for authorization to leave spain by the manner in which the permission was granted she perceived that the emperor wished to delay rather than hasten her journey during november she wrote francis a letter in which this conviction was plainly expressed and about the nineteenth of the month she left madrid upon her journey overland to france at first she travelled very leisurely but eventually she received a message from her brother advising her to hasten her speed as the emperor hoping that she would still be in spain in january when her safe conduct should expire had given orders for her arrest accordingly on reaching medina Celi, she quitted her litter and mounted on horseback accomplishing the remainder of her journey in the saddle nine or ten days before the safe conduct expired she passed perpignan and reached salces where some french nobles were awaiting her soon after her return to france she again took charge of the royal children who once more fell ill this time with the measles as margaret related in the following characteristic letter addressed to her brother still a prisoner in spain my lord the fear that i have gone through about your children without saying anything of it to madame louise of savoy who was also very ill obliges me to tell you in detail the pleasure i feel at their recovery monsieur d'angoulême caught the measles with a long and severe fever afterwards the duke of orleans took them with a little fever and then madame madeleine without fever or pain and by way of company the dauphin without suffering or fever and now they all are quite cured and very well and the dauphin does marvels in the way of studying mingling with his schooling a hundred thousand other occupations and there is no more question of passions 
but rather of all the virtues Monsieur d'Orléans is nailed to his book and says that he wants to be good But monsieur d'Angoulême does more than the others and says things that are to be esteemed rather as prophecies than childish utterances Which you my lord will be amazed to hear? Little Margot resembles myself. She will not be ill, but I am assured here that she has very graceful ways and Is getting prettier than ever mademoiselle d'Angoulême was Francis having consented to the onerous conditions imposed by Charles V was at last liberated on March 17 1526 he was exchanged for his two elder sons who were to serve as hostages for his good faith and set foot upon the territory of Bern he owed Margaret a deep debt of gratitude for her efforts to hasten his release and One of his first cares upon leaving Spain was to wed her again in a fitting manner He appears to have opened matrimonial negotiations with Henry the eighth of England But fortunately for Margaret without result She it seemed had already made her choice There was then at the French court a young king without a kingdom it is true but endowed with numerous personal qualities this was Henry d'Albray, Count of Bern, and legitimate sovereign of Navarre, then held by Charles V, in defiance of treaty rights. Henry had been taken prisoner with Francis at Pavia, and confined in the fortress there, from which, however, he had managed to escape in the following manner. Having procured a rope ladder in view of descending from the castle, he ordered Francis de Rochefort, his page, to get into his bed and feign sleep. Then he descended by the rope, the Baron of Arrow and a valet following him in the morning when the captain on duty came to see Henry as was his usual custom He was asked by a page to let the king sleep on as he had been very ill during the night Thus the trick was only discovered when the greater part of the day had gone by and the fugitives were already beyond pursuit as The young King of Navarre had spent a part of his youth at the French court he was well known to Margaret who apparently had a secret fancy for him He was in his 24th year prepossessing and extremely brave There was certainly a great disproportion of age between him and Margaret But this must have served to increase rather than attenuate her passion She herself was already 35 and judging by a portrait executed about this period in which she is presented in mourning for the Duke of Alençon with a long veil falling from her cap her personal appearance was scarcely prepossessing The proposed alliance met with the approval of Francis who behaved generously to his sister He granted her for life the enjoyment of the duchies of Alençon and Berry and the counties of Armagnac and Le Perche and several other lordships Finally the marriage was celebrated on January 24 1527 at Saint-Germain-en-Laye Where as Sauval records there were jousts tourneying and great triumph for the space of eight days or thereabouts. End of section two.